Mama always said, crypto's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And today, we're not sure what we're going to get as we invite Bitcoin pioneer Charlie Shrem to the show. Bubba, what can you do with shrimp? You can barbecue shrimp, boil shrimp, broil shrimp, bake shrimp, saute shrimp. There's uh, shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan-fried shrimp, uh, deep-fried shrimp, stir-fried shrimp. Uh, there's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, uh, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich, and you can even imprison shrimp. Well, that's a lot of ways to shrimp. You can even talk to one like we're going to do today, Bubba. I reckon we can on episode 150 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome to the Shrem Crypto Podcast. Wait, I mean the Bad Crypto Podcast. Because you could Shrem a, a podcast too. The Bad Shrimpto Podcast. <laughs> so many ways to Shrem. And uh, we've got Charlie Shrem for you today. Charlie is the founder of the Bitcoin Foundation, has been in the crypto space since 2011, has some incredible incredible stories to tell about the early days of crypto doing time in prison and how he is now adding value to the crypto community it, it's this is a great interview he's he's a lot of fun yeah and you know he had had the, one of the largest exchanges crypto exchanges at the time and regulation sort of thwarted him because of one bad player one of his 30,000 customers did something bad and he got blamed for it and total bummer deal that happened to him but this is a great interview today with charlie shrimp really had the pleasure of doing that and this is a monumental episode guys this is episode 150 of our regular show so on those on those big 50s and on those 100 episodes we want to make sure we're bringing you some serious thunder and who better than than charlie shrimp to come on and and tell you his epic tale his tale of i thought that tale of crypto woe Yay! Yeah, it's, it's going to be a great interview. Also, before we get started into that, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. You guys know that we are not financial advisors, never have been, never would be. But there are people in the space that do give advice about ICOs and blockchain development. And that's where our sponsor, New Alchemy, comes in. Hopefully by now you've checked them out at newalchemy.io. These guys are a blockchain strategy and technology group specializing in ICO services. They've got strategic partnerships with a FINRA licensed broker dealer in Toro Capital. They work with those guys to offer integrated solutions for blockchain securities. In Toro's technology-enabled investment bank and broker dealer services combined with New Alchemy's blockchain technology and advisory services is game-changing for companies wanting to issue tokens in a regulated securities environment. Again, the website, newalchemy.io. Please go check them out. And now, let's check Charlie Shrim out. You know, Bitcoin is just not that old. I mean, when you think about Bitcoin, it's less than 10. It's not even double digits yet. 
in its age. This thing is not even an adolescent, and yet there are people who we would consider the elders of the crypto world, people that got started really early. And we are privileged to have one with us today, one such pioneer, Charlie Shrem, known his actual name is Charles Shrem, the IV. That's the fourth. Uh, he's an American entrepreneur. He's a Bitcoin advocate, and he's a convicted felon. That, that's from the Wikipedia. He started BitInstant, which was one of the top exchanges back in 2011. And in December 2014, he got two years in prison for aiding and abetting in the Silk Road debacle. And he is now out and about. He is uh, he's director of business and community development with Jax, those wallet people. And he has a crypto advisory called Crypto IQ. And he's here right now. Charlie Shrem. How you doing, Charlie? Good. How are you? We are good. Thanks for uh, for joining us on Bad Crypto. We do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's let's set the way back machine way back because you were in Bitcoin very early. How did you first become aware of this uh, cryptocurrency thing and get involved? Well, it was a dark and stormy night in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> do we need to add sound effects here? <laughs> And I was, uh, I think it was around two or three o'clock in the morning and I was hanging out. This was around 2011, early 2011. I was hanging out in my, uh, local IRC chat rooms that I frequently frequented. This is like film noir and a, yeah. and a, and a dame walked in. I would, I would, <laughs> and a <dame>. <laughs> I would like to explore my social capacities and the skills in, in the IRC chat rooms. For those who don't know, that's the internet relay chat for those weirdos who, who didn't like to go on other messengers. Yeah, that's but back anyways, in the day stuff there. Back in the day stuff. Um, and IRC is making a comeback. IRC is definitely going to make a comeback one of these days, like Tamagotchis and Jean Jackets. <laughs> Tamagotchis. Pet Rock. Yes. The Pet Rock. Anyway, so I was in a, I was in a chat room and and uh, someone came in there and we were chatting and you know someone mentioned this you know Bitcoin thing and I forgot, it. I, I don't know who it was and... I just kind of uh, created a conversation between the six or seven of us. And he's like, yeah, download this software or whatever. And uh, I ran it on my computer, which you should never download software from an IRC chat room. And um, I was like, all right, so what's what's the big deal about this? This is just like a, like a downloadable version of PayPal. And he explained to me that instead of PayPal maintaining like the database and the ledger, when he sent me, a, a, he sent me like 20 or 30,000 Bitcoin just as a test, which is a lot of money now. Um, instead of, instead of it updating just on like a central ledger, it updated on the, you know, I opened up the data file and I opened up the actual blockchain. I ran a local block explorer and not only did it update on my block explorer and my database, local one on my computer in real time, not only did it update on his, but it updated on the other guys in the chat room, all theirs, it updated on theirs. So I was like, Whoa, like this is. This is a database that one person can't control or, or change. So it's, you know, if you kind of like look in the future, there's so many different applications of this. And I immediately fell down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin. 
definitely quite a rabbit hole. I mean, I jumped on back and in, in, I found out about it from, I think, some message board as well. I think Chiefs Planet. I'm a, I live in Kansas City. Somebody talked about it, <clears throat> and, I, and I downloaded the, the whole thing as well. And then it just ran on my laptop. It was like, it's like it almost killed my laptop. And then, but I mined a block and I thought that was pretty cool. But then my, then my computer crashed out and I threw it threw my computer away, got all my files off except my Bitcoin. But, uh, so early on experience, I was like, it's really cool. I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. But blockchain hadn't hit me yet. It, I didn't fully understand. No, the- was the cool part. It wasn't really blockchain, but back then when you ran, when you ran, um, um, I forgot what, the, when you ran Bitcoin QT, uh, which was what it was when you ran that you were actually mining too. Nowadays, the mining I think is turned off by default because you can't really mine on your computer anymore. Mr. Travis, Back right. then, you downloaded the software. You were such a Bitcoin. You're mining beauty. on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're mentioning how Bitcoin, uh, the mining equipment, uh, was separate from the wallet. Oh, yeah. the- so, so what I was saying is. Um, what I was saying is, yeah, like when you downloaded the software back then, when you downloaded the um, that was available on Bitcoin.org, you you were also mining by default. Nowadays, it doesn't happen anymore. So you were down, you were, you were running, you would see like every few minutes, your balance would go up by like a few Bitcoin. Cause, and you could join a mining pool back then. Like I remember like Ozcoin or whatever. And you can, yeah, you'd be, I'd be, I was mining like 15, 20 Bitcoin a day. It's amazing. And then you started out getting like 20 or 30,000 just from that random dude. I was like, nice. Yeah, I, said, I threw it away. I don't even know what happened to that. That's so crazy. So, so tell us a little bit about BitInstant. So, you you were you know you you were in Bitcoin. You said, "Hey, this is really interesting." And I know that Bitcoin up at one time, you know, managed up, upwards of thirty percent of all Bitcoin transactions. So, like that's like way more than Binance. That's way more than you know uh, Genesis with the uh, with yeah, the so what was, I mean, this is crazy. So what happened was there was only one place to really buy Bitcoin uh, back then. There was Mount Cox. That was like the only place to like buy any significant amount of Bitcoin. And it was really, um, it was difficult because you had to wire money to like their bank account in, in Japan. And most people didn't want to do that. And the time delay was like a week or two and your banks would be like pissed off at you of wiring money. And so it stemmed from me wanting to buy Bitcoin, but why don't we make like a little service? And it wasn't supposed to be a company at the time. I was in still college and I had another startup that I was running, but it was like a side project. And the side project was, Let's start this this project where we could do. We, we literally called it Fast Mount Gox. That was like the original name of the instant was Fast Mount Gox Pay, or something like that. Yeah, Fast Mount Gox Pay was the, like the first name. The whole concept was I'll send a wire transfer to Mount Gox for like ten grand, and you can deposit money into my bank account here, and then the script would automatically transfer the money from my Mount Gox account to your Mount Gox account. And I take a 3% fee. Nice deal. And you guys, you managed uh, a lot of transactions. Well, so it grew, it grew very quickly. Um, we were, we need to raise venture capital and realize there's huge demand for people that wanted to buy uh, Bitcoin. So the 10,000 a month didn't cut it. We were doing 10,000 a day almost. So we raised money, uh, venture capital twice, but eventually bit instant came to life is, being like the first retail exchange, kind of like pre-Coinbase, where you, people can buy Bitcoin within a few minutes. You, know, you actually had a physical money. location, right? Didn't you have like a place there in New York? We, we had an office. Yeah, we had an office. But most people would actually, we had a deal with all the banks. And we had deals with Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Dwayne Reed, where all those locations have MoneyGram 
and Western Union, and you can you can walk in, deposit money at the MoneyGram, and instantly, literally within like five minutes, you'd have your Bitcoin. Mm. So we, we're on over like ten thousand locations in the U.S. That was really impressive to be doing that at such an early time in 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 the infancy of of crypto. Yeah. So we we've had it before. We had John Stossel on the show, uh, investigative a reporter, and talks a little bit about Silk Road and what happened with that. But uh, being very close up and intimate to it, uh, because you actually ended up doing time in prison as a result, kind of lay out what uh, Silk Road was and what went down. Silk Road back then was a, a site where you can buy a plethora of things. It was pretty much you could buy anything you want. There was It was a it was a, a decentralized version of eBay, except where eBay has eBay owns it and has certain rules of what you can buy and sell. Silk Road didn't, so obviously you had a lot of nefarious things like drugs and whatever. And so, with me, we had with BitInstant, we did we had three hundred thousand, we had three hundred thousand transactions uh, a year. We had over thirty thousand customers. Uh, with BitInstant, we had one customer who was buying Bitcoin from us, and then taking that Bitcoin and then going on Silk Road and advertising, selling Bitcoin. And then he'd go and sell that Bitcoin to someone else. And because he bought the Bitcoin from me, I knew about it and uh, allowed him to do it, enabled him. I got in trouble as well. That's such a bogus thing because you didn't, you know, it's, it's to me, like I I've seen, you know, the, the, the documentary banking on Bitcoin, I'm familiar with your story. And to me, it's like, every time I've heard the stories, I'm just, I'm, I'm so incredulous about this because I can't believe how bad you got hosed on this deal. You had 30,000 customers. One customer did something bad, but because that one customer did something bad, that's your fault. It is what it is. I, uh, I was guilty of the crime that I committed. I um, served my time. And I moved on from it. I became a better person. So, so I guess my question would be: Is like, is there any hope for Ross Albrecht? Does he, does he have any like glimmer of hope? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel for this guy? Because it seems to me like he got thrown under harder than anybody's ever gotten thrown under. And you know, it's, it seems to me that that's it's it's going to be hard for him to get out. It's tough. I I was going through my own legal situation while he was going through his, so I didn't pay as much attention to his case. I'm really, I'm familiar with it, but not to the extent as other people are. Um, It's a huge rabbit hole apparently, but I would say that in the current administration and the current everything, I don't, I don't see, I don't see any, any light at this point in time for him. Yeah. The the story, I think it was just back in February that um, a justice basically said, uh, you don't even get to appeal this. Um, they're not going that they weren't going to reopen the case. They blocked any efforts that he had. So uh, who knows? Anything's possible. You know, he, we need to have um, his mom here on the show sometime in the not too distant future to talk about this because, of course, yeah. she's leading a team to uh, to appeal that. Uh, but we're glad that uh, that you got out. What you know, kind of what was it like there for two years? Was it country club prison? Was it what was it like? I'm writing a. Um a series right now on my website on charliestrem.com and it's called geek in prison and i've currently published i think seven parts and you can follow my twitter and you can read those and i've gone into to detail about what it was like and but there there is no such thing as a country club prison anymore they they revamped the whole system in the 90s what you do is you have different security levels based on your crime and and uh who you are and uh, 
like your violence level, essentially. So there's uh, camps, minimums, mediums, maximums, and supermax. And I was in what's called a camp, which is basically a, a minimum security prison with no fences. And that's because everyone who's in a camp only has five years, or sorry, 10 years or less. So there's really no incentive for them to, to run, even though some people did. Because why would you run and get an automatic five years added to your sentence when you have less than 10 years left? Mm. Um, other than that, it was pretty much the same as any other prison that you'd see in a TV show or whatever. Like uh, Orange is the New Black. I would say it's just like that. Mm. Mostly got to deal with the politics and the bullshit and the people and, and all the crap and, uh, and all that other stuff. Speaking about politics and bullshit, bit license. Right. So that thing popped up in, in New York City sort of as a, you know, to counter bit instant and some of the stuff that's going on. And my thoughts on this, Charlie, have, have always been, look, you can't um, you can't overregulate stuff, America, because innovation will get squashed. And then, you know, so crypto and Bitcoin, from my perspective in New York, I don't live in New York, but it seems like that, you know, once they, they created this bit license, then that sort of killed innovation and companies left New York. They just weren't going to do business in New York. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that in America where a lot of these people who are starting ICOs, they're leaving America. And so maybe talk about innovation and how bit, bit license sort of impacted that in the New York area. So the biggest people that benefit from regulations are the biggest companies. There is, there's a reason that there's very few, there's very little competition in the banking sector and very little innovation in the financial technology center, uh, sector. And the reason that is is because the only companies that can afford the regulations because they're so expensive to maintain compliance, like we're talking about tens of millions of dollars, are the, are the biggest companies. So the small startups can't afford to do it. So uh, I hate to say it, but the bigger Bitcoin companies, blockchain companies now in New York, uh, and I don't want to name names, but the bigger ones are the ones that actually lobbied for the regulations or for the bit license because they're the only ones that can comply with it and it forced their competition to leave. And that's what happened. That's what's happening in the United States as well. You know, Bitcoin, you've seen all of the ups and downs, literally all the fluctuations, all the pullbacks, you know, when Bitcoin goes way up and then drops 80% or 60% or whatever. And of course, that's happened here this year. You tweeted in May, uh, May 2018 will be the last time we ever see Bitcoin under 10,000. And, you know, that one didn't end up being exactly true. We're sitting at around 6,500 right now here in July 2018. So kind of give us your analysis of the market and what you think, you know, how far, how much lower can we go? I mean, I, everything can go to zero. I get that. But how much lower do you think we can go and what's it going to take for the next run? You really have to get to a point where the price sits in a very low uh, standard deviation for a, a significant amount of time. Whatever that level is, I'm not sure whether it's 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, 3,000, 2,000, I don't know. But what has to happen is it has to sit and chop to a point where it's so sideways and people get so frustrated by the lack of movement, then at that point you, you form a baseline. If you look at the last time this happened, now the last bubble, it happened in 2014, 2015. It was a very long one. It was like almost two years. Previously, before that, there's five or six other bubbles and bursts I've seen. It was less, six to eight months. 
you know, like what we're in now. So we could be at the end of it or we cannot be, you know, I just don't know. Um, I hope it's not as long as two years, but people have to get their mindset that it could be. The best thing you could do is if you're holding any crypto, hold it now. If you want to buy more, cost average in. We have some really good articles on crypto.iq, my educational firm, where we have articles written about how to cost average. And our, our, our company, our crypto advisory and educational firm, we don't talk about like pump and dumps. We're not short term like gains. It's how to build a crypto portfolio and have wealth preservation, not to maintain it through the bubble and bursts. And so a lot of people, we don't lose sub- subscribers now. Our retention rate is really high because our members are for, in it for the long term. And so that's why, that's what I tell people. The, uh, the website is CryptoIQ. You guys can actually download a free guide about Bitcoin and investing in it right there. Let me, I want to go back to that question for just a moment, though. And, you know, do you think that it is that we're awaiting regulation before, you know, things start moving again? I'm trying to figure out there was never so much hype about Bitcoin as there was in this last run, right? November, December, January, the media was all over it. And now there's got to be people out there that think that Bitcoin, you know, well, it just might, it didn't work, right? Because they're not hearing about it in the news anymore. So what's it going to take? I think the media is going to drive that next bull run, but what's the subject? Is it going to be a regulation? I don't know. Right now in the last bull run, I would say almost every American and like, the global population has now heard about Bitcoin. They've, they've heard about Bitcoin. They know about cryptocurrency. You can't, it's very hard to meet a person that doesn't know what cryptocurrency is now. It's, it's almost impossible. Like every person you talk to knows what it is because they've heard about it. Did they buy into it? Maybe, maybe not. These people saw the bubbles. They saw the burst. They saw everything that happened. So now it comes to a point where it's a lot easier for the next bull run to happen because now we have crypto people. We have space has gotten bigger. The industries are still growing. And so the next the next bull run, let's see what happens. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we have bad crypto now. I mean, that's totally going to help the bull runs, I think. There you go. <laughs> so I, I love this quote you said before. You said, uh, Bitcoin is a brotherhood. That's what keeps me involved. You're changing the world. And you know that other people are doing it with you. And that's one of the things that I think is so powerful about this is that most of the people that that Joel and I have met in this space, they seem to be very altruistic. They seem to be, you know, idealistic and want to make the world a better place. A lot of them are doing that. One of the reasons we started Bad Crypto, Charlie, is to really help the masses understand how crypto works, but then also make it fun and make it interesting and entertaining because most of it's very dry. There's not a lot of laughs in crypto. So we wanted to, wanted to kind of change that. So I love that, uh, the sort of altruistic, you know, sort of point of view. So maybe you could maybe touch base on, on how we are all maybe, or how you think we're all maybe making the world a better place. Yeah. Crypto is very much a, a family. And I'll be honest with you when, when we first, when, you know, when, when crypto first came out, you know, back then it was, it was a much bigger family and it was more like, higher quality of people because the people that were getting involved weren't getting involved in it for the money because there was no money in it back then. So there really was more of that. Are you trying to say we brought down the quality of the crypto community? No, no, not you. Is that that what in general? Specifically Joel is specifically you. Listen, it's, let's be honest. It's, 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 uh, it's just, it's just socioeconomics, right? I mean, you can't, as something grows, you're not going to have the quality of people grow in tandem with, 
the the population growth is just not the way it's just not the way physics and economics works. It just doesn't work that way. So no, I'm not. I, I I'm not. I have like I have no. I have no. Um, like what's the word I'm looking for? I kind of know that. I know that. I'm not like mad about it because it's kind of something that's known already. But at least at this point in 2008, what year? 2018. I can still choose to surround myself with the people that I want to surround myself with. And I'm, I'm lucky, I'm fortunate that I'm in a position to, to not surround myself and to not do business with and to not hang out with people that I don't want to in the crypto space. And that's really great. So like, you know, when we jumped on this podcast, you heard laughing in the background. Like my team is very much a family and we keep it that way. Um, uh, we and, heard uh, that. And I have the ability. We said, woo. We heard the woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we, the, um, we have the ability to do that. And so as long as we can maintain that and grow that, and we all work really, really hard and we all do fantastic, the quality of our work and, 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 uh, and all that other stuff is just, it works out, you know? Um, but we've had people come in here that want to do business with us. And we've had people that have emailed us. It's just like, you know, you have scammers and liars and you have people that are just clearly in it for the money. And, and there's no, you got to look at it like, uh, um, uh, I have this like term that I kind of use internally that I actually, uh, Kathy, you have to write this down, uh, uh, crypto buyer loyalty, right? Or crypto loyalty factor, crypto loyalty factors, CLF. And you have to look at what's a person's crypto loyalty factor, right? Which means is why are they involved in it? And when things go bad, what's the percentage that they'll actually stick around or move on to the next thing? And you look at the person's history. And what have they been involved with before? Do they just kind of like jump around from one sector to another? Uh, Ty Lopez. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just so was, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't no, mean exactly. No, Ty Lopez, Ty Lopez and, <laughs> and James Altucher are the perfect example. Their factor score is, is one or zero because as soon as things go bad, as soon as things go down, they jump back and they leave. And I was and I was put in like a chat room with Ty Lopez, and you know he, I'm sure he's a great, great, yeah, great don't, guy. Don't be so I sure. Guys, like I'm not going to contribute. <laughs> I'm not going to contribute. I'm not going to contribute to this chat room anymore. <laughs> oh, one, talker. This guy's going to steal my content. He's going to steal all my content. And two, I don't trust him. I don't know him, and I don't want to surround myself with that type of person anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the good thing about these bear markets is that all these people leave. So can you uh, can you perfectly. validate that Kathy wrote that down? Did, did she? She did. She she records. She I need some things written down too. Can you send her over here to write some things down? Kathy follows me around with a tape recorder, and we have a full time transcriber, someone who literally her job is to transcribe wow, everything awesome. I say. That yeah, is beautiful. That is beautiful. And you know, that's one of the things I think, Charlie, is that you know a lot of people, and I, I like that crypto. You know, what was it? The crypto life factor? What was it? What'd you say again? Loyalty. Is that uh, crypto loyalty crypto factor? Loyalty yeah. factor. CLF. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it seems it seems to me that once people understand, fiat, yeah, when, when people understand fiat currency, once people understand the Federal Reserve banking and central banking system, once people understand fractional reserve banking, once people understand how the Federal Reserve Bank was set up along with the IRS and how it was set up as pretty much the biggest wealth draining sort of scam in the history of humanity, potentially, and you understand how central banking works. 
then you go, wow, crypto obviously is the best case scenario. And then when you realize it, for me, the journey for me was like, oh, wow, we used to have shells and feathers as money. And then King said, nope, we're going to make these these metals, the silver and gold, these, and we're printing them. And if you don't pay us in taxes in these, then we're going to arrest you or kill you, right? And it's like the power of money throughout the history of time has been very interesting. And then knowing that we're in this 5G world where we're, we're Five G is coming in eighteen months or so, and and the thirty gigabit connections on our phones and on our computers and everything else that's connected to the internet, you know, so fast. And why would we want to go to the banks? Why would we want to have the old banking system in a world that's going to be so fast? It doesn't make sense that the traditional banking world is what it is. I think the traditional banking world has to evolve in some ways, and and so I think once people understand that, and they 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 once they wrap their head around all of that and then understand blockchain and then understand crypto how could you leave crypto then because they don't care they're in it for the money for the short-term money they're not in it for the for the real reasons they don't if you you know a good way to to, to, to test someone's crypto loyalty factor is to ask them if they know what a blockchain is um and most, ty lopez couldn't explain yeah, travis i thought your clf perhaps was slipping but actually i think you just increased a tenth of a point right there you guys, your 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 points are fa- are high because look at what you do. You know, you do your bad crypto podcast. There's a reason you do that, and the the amount of educate anything involved in education. That's why I, I jumped into education too. Anything involved in like education and entertainment, you guys are very entertaining. Is really high, and it's and it, it's you'll, you'll be around for a long time. That's awesome. You, I want to be around for a long time Good. and uh, and do the show with Travis because we. Yeah. We, we, we love doing this. This is it. You know, crypto is, is fun and shut up, Travis, your crypto loyalty factor just dropped a 10th of a percent. Um, so let's talk about how you're bringing education. You mentioned your site earlier and your team crypto.iq, uh, is, uh, a redirect that takes people to crypto iq.co. Tell us about the site, what you're doing for the community and, and how people get involved. We started, uh, we wanted to create a, a research company, um, and we put out a, a newsletter once a month, uh, a nice high-quality, printable, 20-page newsletter where we have exclusive interviews um, with all my friends. You know, so the last newsletter, I would talk about privacy. So we had a, uh, a great interview with Ricardo the, from Monero, and we do, um, we do themes. You know, one of our next uh, newsletter themes is going to be the path to decentralization, which talks about different projects and which ones are actually centralized, decentralized, or which ones are kind of on the path to decentralization. And we make it where no matter what your level of involvement in crypto is, you'll understand what we're talking about. And if we use a difficult word, we have a glossary in the back. And we have different sections like the control F section, which is basically no one actually reads white papers. What I do is I just control F, which is I find and I look for keywords of certain words in the white paper and I read those sections. So we have like a like a uh, what you should which parts of the white paper you should be you should be reading, uh, but not only the newsletter, but we put out we put out research reports once or twice a week. We have daily uh, trading signals on your crypto portfolio, and we have our, to- our 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 model token portfolio. What what my portfolio looks like. Then we have our private member groups, uh, our Facebook group, and our and our and our Discord rooms that you can uh, talk to all the other members. And we wanted to keep it at a very low, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to be like those, you know, three, three $4,000 scam classes and stuff like that. So we kept it at like uh, $60 a month. 
And for $60 a month, it's not a, it's not a pump and dump group. So if you're looking for that, that's not for us. That's not what we do. This is wealth, wealth, wealth preservation and education for cryptocurrency. Uh, and our content is super, super high quality. If you have a project that you want to invest in, or if you have a question, we'll put out a research report for you, for our members. And we have that. And then we have the higher quality uh, inner circle room, which is our more for the, for the active traders, where we put out proprietary data on different coins and tokens. And we put out things like what's the long and short ratios of and what's the, tr- the trading volume and things like that on different coins and tokens. So that website is CryptoIQ.co? No, it's Crypto.IQ. Is the, Crypto.IQ? Yeah, it'll, it'll transfer you to the other domain, but it's just for, it's for ease of use. It's Crypto.IQ. So many, so many domain names these days. So fancy. Yeah. Right on. So, so let me ask you this then. What are some, what are some other things, you know, that are, that you've been thinking about, uh, that, you know, cause our audience is, is there's a lot of new people to the space and, and we actually help move them from being a newbie into becoming more experienced. And what's interesting is a lot of people over this, the year that we've done this show now is a lot of people have, they've gotten into trading, they've gotten into mining, they're doing all kinds of different stuff where we've sort of, we're their gateway drug into the crypto world for a lot of folks. Uh, what, what maybe advice, final words that, that you would have for people who may be getting involved with crypto now, or maybe who have gotten involved in the last year and uh, haven't seen these ups and downs before, just, you know, throw them some, Throw them, throw them some shrimisms and, and 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 help guide them along the path. Shrimisms. That's hey, a great, that's Kathy, a great term. I gotta use that. <laughs> Kathy, write that down. Shrem, shrimisms. She's got and your it. followers to be <laughs> called shrimisms. Today from last night, but she's got it. <laughs> shrimisms. <laughs> the religion of shrem. Yes. But what oh, I would tell people is, listen, yeah, like the book of shrem. The book of shrem. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> That's what I should title my novel, The Book of Shrem. <laughs> you should, I, I should follow you around and give you additional I make your ideas better, I guess. They used to in, in prison my nickname was in prison my nickname was Shrem Life. Shrem Life? Yeah. I don't know. That's that. good. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> um, what I tell people is understand why Bitcoin is important. Understand why we all got into this in the first place. Understand why Satoshi created the white paper. If you understand the whys, then you'll eventually start to understand the what. When you understand the what, then you'll have complete faith in the future of this. And it'll actually make you want to buy more crypto because you're like, this, this thing is going, to be, is going to be epic. And if you're just in it for the money, that's okay. You know, like we're all, we're all greedy bastards. No, I'm just kidding. We're all fueled by financial and economic incentives let's be honest that's why we do everything we do is is for financial incentives and that's okay it's human nature but if you're gonna if you're gonna invest in something and buy something understand why you're doing it and you'll feel a lot better about yourself Hmm. so Um, speaking of that's what what i tell people do you know who he is or who they are it's definitely 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 not not right right. like We're not no, having I, him on the show because we're, somebody who talks shit on him, we're just not we're not gonna have him on Bad Crypto. When when he first when he first came out <laughs> when he first came out, he when he first came out, and I think I have the recording somewhere, I gotta find him. He he was trying to get a lot of like old school crypto guys like on his side to, for his own to to make his you know, to to make people believe that he was Satoshi. So he emailed me and this was like I had first gone out of prison, right? So he emailed me and he goes, Hey Charlie, you like, you know, I'm sure you've read about me. Uh, I'm a big fan of you trying to stoke my ego a little bit. Uh, can we do a video call? And so 
I wanted to believe so badly that he was Satoshi, right? I wanted to, I would, you know, um, so I, I did a, I did a two hour Google hangout with him just asking questions, but not really scratching the surface much, just like talking and just, just chatting. And I, I remember hanging up and, and saying to my wife, like, you know, like this guy could be it like this, this, this guy could be Satoshi. Like, but I think it was more of me wanting him to be Satoshi than he actually was. So she, she being the very smart person that she is, she's like, Charlie, do another one with him and just, you know, start to ask him really difficult questions. And so I did that. I did another call with him and I was so dismayed by how aggressive he got with me when he couldn't answer a question and how he would just repeat the same terms. And just frankly, shit, he made main, made absolutely no sense that I, after like an hour and a half, I was like, dude, like, you're just a fraud. I'm sorry. Like you just, everything you're saying, is just complete on utter bullshit. Like you're just complete fallacy. But I hung up with him and then he tried to even, uh, he tried to bribe me and he tried to, and I have like the, I actually have the screenshots of the emails, but he emailed me and he's like, yeah, I want to fly you down to, to wherever I'm living. I think it was like Antigua or some shit like that. He's like, I want to fly you down and I want to pay you a bunch of money to be on my foundation, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, like, no, thank you. Like, I listen, like maybe I just got out of jail and I could use the money right now, but I'm not going to like you pour myself out for your, for your message. You- so have a nice day. I did. I was really pissed off because it was really insulting to me. It was very insulting that he would come out and just like try to like, frankly, like buy me. So, so upfront, like at least, at least woo me, take me out to dinner first. And right, right. And like, you how know, can like, BS it though. It doesn't make sense to me how somebody could try to go and BS like your Satoshi, because for one, you need to have like at least a half a million Bitcoin Two, you would, you would know the, you would know the whole blockchain in and out. And then for one, you would have dealt with Hal Finney and Nick Zabo and some of these other guys. And so it seems to me that it's completely impossible to BS, but then Gavin Andreessen or whatever he said that he thought that Craig yeah, was- Gavin was conned. Gavin was conned, unfortunately, and it's a shame because Gavin and I were really good friends. But um, Gavin fell into the 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 closer someone was with Satoshi, the you know the the earlier their involvement was, like even Roger Veer, you know, the more that you're involved and how early you were and how much you wanted Craig Wright to be Satoshi, the easier it would be to fall into the con. Con artists are really good. Because they find their cons of people who want to be conned. There's a reason a con artist, when they look for their mark, they look for the type of person that they know are just begging to be conned, right? And that's and there's a great show called Imposters on TV that you should watch that talks about this. But it's about a con artist lady who literally goes and she finds these men who who are looking for women and to, to marry who are rich. And she molds herself into their ideal woman and she marries them and then steal all their money. And so that's kind of like what, what Craig Wright did. He's a straight up con artist, like no doubt about it. And he'll probably sue me for even saying this on your show. Hey, you're a badass. I mean, you've already been to prison. You know, you did your time. It's like you're probably not scared of much anymore. But that's what I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, just shake him, him. Dude, if he's like, <laughs> You can, you, can, you, can, you can make a stink out of anything. You know? like, right now, when I when, I, so, when someone hands me a pen, I just say to myself, what's the quickest way I can make a shank into this? <laughs> I'm just joking. So you told us who you think Satoshi is not, but the question is, do you have a theory on who Satoshi is? Um, no, I think, well, I, 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 would, I would say that I think Satoshi is a, 
probably a group of people. I don't know if it was one person. I think, I think there was potentially, I think there was a, there were definitely at least one female involved in the Satoshi group. Uh, why do you sure. say for sure? That, that's um, so. Why I, I can't I can't tell you why I, can't, I just it's my feeling. I feel like the, the Satoshi group wasn't just a bunch of men, um, just because of the writings and the and the style of writings and the and the way that things were explained so understandably. And it, uh, and it's not like just things that like Satoshi said. Like for example, when Dan Larimer was trying to convince Satoshi something, Satoshi was just like. If you don't understand it, I don't have the time to explain it to you. I'm sorry. I mean, that's something my wife would say to me. <laughs> um, but just this is how it was. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. And I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't want to know. Every time there's an article about who Satoshi is, I kind of like cringe because I don't. I don't want to know who Satoshi. I don't want it to come out. I don't. You got shrammed, oh. ladies and gentlemen. You the one and only Charlie Shram. Crypto.iq, the website. More links in the show notes. Charlie, thanks so much for spending time with us and sharing your uh, your honest story and your thoughts and feelings. Thanks for having me, please. Thank you. Bubba, I like Charlie Shram. Charlie Shram, he's really nice. Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jenny. Mama always said... You want to have a good podcast, got to have Charlie Shrem on. And Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan lost his legs. Oh, man. My son just recently watched Forrest Gump, and then he watched the whole thing, and he came out, and he was crying. Like, mm-hmm. he was so sad. Such an emotional movie. And, like, it was so amazing, that movie, when it came out in, like, 1993 or 94, something like that, 95. And the graphics and the after effects and the, you know, just the, the basically putting – Forrest Gump in and hanging out with JFK and Nixon and all those guys. I mean, that, that was really an amazing, uh, you know, freaking graphics for back in the early, early days of the internet. It was good stuff. You know, what else is going to be amazing? Mr. Travis, right. Is, uh, how's this for a segue? Our birthday party. It's coming up Mm. July the 18th. You guys are signing up for tickets. I see them come in every day. It's a free event. It's going to be in Denver, Colorado, the evening of July 18th, which is a Wednesday night. And just uh, the venue is still to be announced. I'm actually making a phone call today to see if I can secure a place where there is good food and good beverages of both the adult nature and non-alcoholic so that you guys can come hang out with us and uh, looking to see if we can get a room where there's like, you know, a microphone that we can use so we can do a little bad crypto live for uh, for the attendees and we'll keep you posted but if you want to go register it's free at badcode.in forward slash birthday and we would love for you guys to come pate with us that would be fun we love you guys and you know it's been a year i mean it's so crazy to think about that it's been a year when we do that party in like two weeks mm-hmm. actually a little bit less than two weeks from now so if you have not made plans to come and you've been thinking about it why not go ahead and do it it should be fun i'm going to drive over literally going to drive over from kansas city which is a, a rather long drive but my son recently has got his uh his license and so he's going to drive most of the long way, which is so good. You're going to literally drive as a, you know, opposed to Passenger. philosophically driving over. I'm driving there in my mind. Driving there. I'll probably drive some of it. I don't think he'll have him drive in Denver, but I will have him drive the highway because it's it's a pretty long highway. 
and uh, like it's like nine hour drive or something. Yeah, but well, what's great is I'm going to listen to some podcasts while we drive. I, we got we got an audio book picked out for the road trip. So a little road trip with me and my kiddo. You'll be stacking skills. And let's face it, life is a highway. I want to ride it all night long. If you're going my way, you better stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.